From Tulsa Tech, helping you make your own path with insights and information about the world of career training. The Tech Times Podcast starts right now. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us on this episode of the Tech Times Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Williams. School finance in some way, shape, or form is something that gets talked about quite often in the news, at kitchen tables across America, and including here in Tulsa County. It can be confusing and frustrating to some, but it really doesn't have to be. Thankfully, joining us today is Tulsa Tech's Chief Financial Officer, Joanne Lucas. Thanks so much for being here. Sure, Ryan. Happy to be here. So, uh, Joanne, to start our conversation, uh, we'd love to know, like, have you always worked in education? Kind of what's your professional background? Okay. I haven't always worked in education, but I started my career as a CPA auditor, which is very common in my line of work. A lot of CPAs start out as auditors. Interesting. So I started my career as an auditor and then spent time more in a corporate controller position, then moved into education. I was the CFO for Tulsa Public Schools for about 14 years, had a break in service when I had children, but about 14 years, and then did some nonprofit time and then moved back to education. Okay. Are you passionate about students? What draws you to education? I think that's exactly right. Passionate about students, learning, seeing everybody have that chance to grow and develop from, you know, pre-K through adulthood. Okay. So you mentioned earlier, everybody kind of starts their CPA careers as an auditor. Is that an intimidating role for some? Well, it can be. I think it's a great for accountants or um, anybody interested in business, it's a great way to start because as an auditor, you go in and you spend a lot of time looking at things and just the study and look of things helps you learn and interpret financial systems and data and financial statements and all kinds of financial analytics that help you do your job as you grow as a professional. We actually have an accounting program here at Tulsa Tech. Is that something where those students really kind of get their feet wet or do they get their start? I think so. I think it's that they get their feet wet and they get an understanding of some of the basics of accounting, which can be used to help run your own business, to work in a government, to work in a school district. That's the beauty of having an accounting profession. Every organization needs one. So, so, yes, yeah. yeah, it's a great career path. What does a typical day look like for you? Well, it's really kind of hard to say typical. We don't really have that many typical days, but always get involved in, you know, usually a budget issue, you know, a spending, somebody wanting to spend money in a particular way and perhaps not having enough in that particular category, or, you know, somebody trying to purchase something or, um, you know, involved with, you know, an asset that can't be located or... Are you you mostly kind of uh, looking for trends in the budget or are you kind of in the granular weeds of everything? Both. Both. Yeah. Sometimes I try to stay, you know, a little high level and sometimes depending on what's going on, I work a little, you know, more in the weeds than you might think. Okay. Um, Talk a little bit about your family. What do you like to do for fun outside of work? Well, I actually have four children, so I had a you know busy time when I was raising my children and really understand the pressures of working moms. So I have four children, one daughter and three sons, and they live kind of far away. So I have two that live in New York City, so I'm oh, wow. a traveler, and I spend as much time as I can going to New York City to visit. That's a big difference than Tulsa. It's a so big difference. They, do they enjoy that the big city life? They love it. They I'm hoping they're not going to live there forever, but they're both working <laughs> on Wall Street and I like to say they're living the dream you know so we'll see good for them well let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll dive a little deeper into your team and some of their responsibilities perfect 
business world is evolving. New competition, a shrinking workforce, and a greater need for specialized training. At Tulsa Tech, we are here to train your most valuable asset, your employees, equipping them with the skills to succeed. Our team is ready to help companies both big and small with training at our place or yours, and it is more affordable than you think. Tulsa Tech, improving your business is our business. Okay, and we're back. Let's get right into it. Uh, we are an independent public school district and part of Oklahoma's career tech system. Generally, how is Tulsa Tech funded? Tulsa Tech is funded primarily through what we call local funds. And that is the primary source of those local funds are ad valorem or property taxes. So our district, if you will, is actually in eight different counties. So we receive ad valorem funding through those eight counties. And that is paid through anybody who owns a property, paying a property tax bill, or a business who would pay on um, the tax on business property as well as land is considered an ad valorem tax. Okay. And we receive those fundings through what they call the mills that are levied. And without getting too deep in the weeds, we, we on average collect about eight mills of property taxes that are levied within those counties that fund our general fund. And we collect on average five mills on the levy that funds our building fund. I say on average because the way these counties levy are a little different. And so in one county, we might collect 8.24 mills. In another county, we might collect 8.13 mills. But it's basically eight mills within every county for the general fund, five mills within every county for the building fund. And that is our primary funding source. And that's why we don't necessarily go for like People talk about school bonds or things like that. That's why we don't necessarily need to go for those all the time. Well, um, we le we have the legal right mm -hmm. to request a two additional mills. When you look at the statutes governing the distribution of mills, we have just chosen as a district not to vote those additional mills. Um, you know, if you think of the K twelve world they are a lot, their funding is a lot more volatile, and they historically rely on the funding of additional mills through bond issues. So we have really tried to stay out of their lane, if you will, and to make our funding work on those existing 13 we're, mills. We're trying to not max out our mills and be good stewards, but also not getting in the way of our partner schools. Right. We don't want for instance, um, an important bond that a K-12 district needs not to pass because uh, the taxpayers felt like they had just passed a bond issue for us, so to speak. Right, that makes total sense. So we've been trying to really live within our 13 mills and you know, not go for those two additional statutory mills that we could go for. I was just going to ask earlier, uh, but you got, sort of got into it, but how do we differ uh, from our K-12 partners or maybe even a different career tech institution here in Oklahoma? Well, for K-12... Most of their funding is dependent on membership or attendance. And for us, our model doesn't work quite that way, which I think when they set this up, they realized if you're teaching you know, auto mechanics, you can't just pull in another chair in the classroom, or perhaps you could if you were teaching English. Mm -hmm. And so we're not, our funding is not dependent on attendance as K-12. And some career techs are in a position where they can't generate as much local funding in the counties that they're located that we're able to generate, so they rely on more state funding. Gotcha. Okay. We don't rely very heavily on state funding. We do 
receive state funding that helps supplement all of our employees' insurance. And then we have state funding that supports some of our business and industry training. And we have some state funding that comes to us on what I like to call unallocated, where we get to make decisions about. But the amount of state funding that we're actually making decisions over is only about $200,000. So, so what's that? Probably roughly less one percent of our budget. Pretty right. Much. Yeah, yeah, it's not very. Okay. You know, not all of our much. state funding is you know total is um, you know like three percent. Well, no, like it's that. a little higher than that, oh, but okay. it's not. Um, I'm just yeah, throwing numbers out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, here. yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So it maybe in terms of uh, household terminology, just for folks like me that don't do the math every day, can you explain the difference between? our operational expenses and maybe our building expenses. Right. When you think about, um, you know, our funding is collected, as I mentioned, through the general fund, which is our operating fund, and our building fund, which is the funding that's dedicated to build and preserve our buildings, you know, our Mm -hmm. capital infrastructure. And because our programs are so specialized and the equipment is very specialized equipment, it's expensive. And so we use the building fund, if you will, to build the buildings, preserve the buildings, and to pay for that highly specialized training equipment that's needed. And the general fund is more of our operating fund, payroll, consumable supplies, those types of things. Okay, so if we're talking like my house, we're talking like my mortgage and utilities to keep the lights on, things like that. That's building fund, and then the uh, operational expenses are like going to grab groceries right. or something like that's, that. That's a good way to put it. Okay, great. Um, let's talk a little bit about your team. Your team okay. helps us as a district um, uh, keep be good stewards with our taxpayer dollars. Talk they- a little bit about... Um, departments you oversee. I will, and I'm glad you mentioned the taxpayer dollars because we really try to look at, as we're making decisions about things, you know, we're spending taxpayer money. And so that's really the lens we like to look at things through. You know, what is a taxpayer, would a taxpayer be happy with that purchase? And so we do like to really keep our stewardship hat on and really think about things through that lens. But the finance office, they handle all the basic accounting functions, accounts payable, paying all the bills that are generated for goods and services that are purchased, accounts receivable where they work with, you know, billing if we're doing a customized training for a company or, um, you know, collecting funds from a grant, something like that. Budgeting where, you know, they take our... um, Um, forecast of all of the um, revenues for a year, and then they methodically prepare a detailed budget by program and department on how those funds will be spent. And if fixed assets are purchased, we track those assets and make sure that they're properly accounted for in our fixed asset system. We have a, you know, receiving function at the warehouse where anything ordered is received and distributed. And then we also manage surplus. If you purchase something with taxpayer money and you decide you don't want it anymore, we have a process for the way we dispose of public assets that we follow. We run all of the campus um, bursars where students can pay if it's an adult student paying tuition and then have an ability to sell books and help students get the supplies that they need. We do payroll, which of course is, we'd like to say, everybody's favorite function. And then our treasurer works with all these county assessors that I talked about earlier, making sure that we collect all of our ad valorem taxes 
And then we have an activity funds where we manage funds that are raised by students for specific student functions. We have a different accounting fund that we keep track of all of that in. So, and also purchasing, which is a very important function of the district. And it is um, where we really go out and try to not only find the best price, but the right vendor to do business with. So someone who's making the purchase will decide what is needed to be purchased, but it's the job of the purchasing department to make sure that the purchase is being made from the vendor that is really the can offer us the best price and the best conditions for which to do business. Yeah. How would we determine what is the best vendor for something? Well, a lot of research, and oftentimes vendors will work with us if we have some purchasing consortiums that we can go through where we can actually get a better price with an, a, a vendor who's part of these consortiums. And sometimes somebody buying something might not realize that if we can place the order as part of a buying consortium, when, we, when they look at our annual spend with that vendor, they may give us a rebate or a reduction in future year's purchases. Gotcha. So we're, future looking, year. Oh. so we're looking at things that maybe the person entering the RQ doesn't necessarily see or think about. So just want to make sure people are aware of that, that sometimes purchasing is looking at a through a different lens and a big picture, and they're making decisions about who to purchase from that one person in the district putting in one RQ may not realize all of the decisions that go into picking that vendor. Looking at the broad picture of it That's all. right. Do most schools or businesses you've worked for in the past, or nonprofits, uh, as you mentioned, uh, do they segment out the the departments as such? Very most standard. Of the time? It's very okay. standard. Um, you know, you might um, activity funds is obviously very unique to schools. Bursars is very unique to schools. But the other functions that I talked about, you would see in any business that's functioning with multiple employees and different things. Okay. Okay. I just didn't know how our model differentiates or not from any other type of industry we work with. Well, we follow governmental accounting standards, which is different if, than if you are running a business. And government accounting standards require that before you can buy anything, the funds have to be encumbered. So there are some functions that take place in a school or a governmental accounting office that wouldn't take place in a corporate. Okay, so but it's other than that, there's a, it's a lot of things are standard when you're running a business gotcha. or a school district or a government. Uh, we talked to, and we talked a little bit before uh, in earlier episodes about the overall strategy. But how does Tulsa Tech afford to maintain and grow to six campus locations, and then all of our state-of-the-art equipment that we offer to students? We talked about that briefly. It's really, you know, through budgeting and really maximizing our building fund. We really try to look at what's needed when from a capital improvement plan and preparing our budget. And then for facilities, long-range planning and, you know, saving and really trying to maximize resources so we can you know, build and maintain these campuses. It sounds like our team is really proactive rather than reactive in terms of how we're looking to the future and planning for those things. Yes, yes, very much so. Um, what does our budget suggest about any future opportunities for growth for Tulsa Tech? Well, it's a little hard to say at this point because we are so dependent on ad valorem property taxes. And so what we saw... Last fiscal year, interest rates were very low, and we had a lot of people refinancing homes and buying property. Well, that can drive 
property taxes up if you know if that's happening but if interest rates are higher sometimes real estate sales slow down which could impact the growth of ad valorem so we are very tied to the local economy and really you know have to keep an eye on what's going on with that not only are we impacting that economic development in the community but we're also impacted by that as well that's exactly right um, it's a cycle. Team ta- you talked a lot about your team being helping us be good stewards of our community resources. What skills do they need as your staff continues to grow? What skills do they need to be good at their job? Well, a lot. Most of them come from a business function or business lane. You know, ne- not necessarily having worked in schools, but with business. And so, it's very helpful. To, you know, just to have strong um, accounting and business skills. Okay, tremendous. Um, turning to fun stereotypes, do you still keep a trusty calculator, an abacus somewhere in your office? I don't. I really don't. I use my computer and my phone for my trusty calculator don't now. Don't I know. <laughs> that phone really has taken place of a lot of other equipment, hasn't it? Definitely. Definitely. Yes. Well, thanks so much for joining us and helping everybody yeah. understand the world of school finance as well as hear all the stuff here at Tulsa Tech. Thank you for listening to the Tech Times podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And be sure to like us on social media.